All right, so uh, so I've heard it said that blessed are the short-winded, they shall be invited back. So there we go. So here I am again, right? And and, uh, and Denise is right. It's it's uncomfortable to be up here in front of you all, and uh, but I do feel like when it was time when TD uh, asked, uh, would you be willing to come up and do this again? And I said I would. Uh, and so since then, I feel like God has dropped something into my spirit that he really wants to drop into yours. Some of it I know because I know there's there's a lot of maturity here, but I can remember I had a pastor, um, and for a lot of years he said, if you wonder how come I preach on simple things, it's because sometimes we just don't get it yet. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're getting it, and, and it's good to, re- to, to hear and to repeat things and to and I bet Brother Jim would just say amen because I, I know he's heard many things, right, over the course of his time. And so, you know, God bless you, Jim. I know uh, that there's things we hear, but we need to rehear, right? So so the last time I was here, we talked a little bit about identity. Does anybody Was anybody here that remembers a little bit about the identity, right? Because I do believe there's an identity crisis that's happening and not just – people my age, not just people that are parents, not just people that uh, that know, um, know different things and right, know some things, but I, I feel like there's, a, there's a also a, uh, an identity crisis among our young people, and so it's important for those in the room that are mature to be speaking into the lives of our young people, and so that's, that's a charge for you, and it doesn't, need, it doesn't just mean for your immediate children. Uh, because a lot of us have ways that we are impacting other children, and it isn't just our own. So take that. So, um, so today, we're we also have a word that we want to talk about. We're talking greatest hits, and um, before we jump into um, our where we're, where we're headed, I want to cover something first in the New Testament, if that's okay. Uh, we're going to start in in Matthew, chapter twenty-one. And I want to read something. We can go to, the, I think, the first slide. Let's see what the first slide says. It may just say where we're, where we're ultimately headed is going to be David and Goliath. So what's funny is um, Amy just talked about David, right? So we're going to talk a little bit more about David, young David. And then I also heard through the course of different other um, speeches and, and sermons talk about David. It's just so easy to talk about David and how he uh, how he was impressive in everything that he did. The Bible called him a man after God's own heart, and that's awesome. I want God to say that about me, right? You, and I know you do too. So before we jump into David and Goliath, we want to jump into something else. Um, let's go to the next slide, and then I'll get started. So in Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 18, let me give you a little bit of background here. Jesus had just come into Jerusalem. And uh, he was riding on a donkey. I think in the scripture it calls it the triumphal entry. So get this big picture. He's coming in with the crowd, and there's a crowd that's, uh, that's waiting for him, and they're shouting, Hosanna in the highest, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, so they're all screaming and shouting. So with that, let's go to verse 18 in chapter 21 of Matthew. The scripture says, Now in the morning as he returned to the city, which is Jerusalem, we talked about that, he was hungry. I'm looking at my watch, and I'm thinking, how many of the rest of us are hungry, right? So, 
So we're hungry. We'll get moving. Uh, he was hungry. Jesus gets hungry. Verse 19, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it, and he found nothing on it. And so he saw the leaves, and he said to it, he said to it, this is going to be important. He said, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And then when the disciples saw it, they marveled. And they said, how did this fig tree wither away so soon? In 21, Jesus said in answer to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And then verse 22 says, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So let's go to uh, also to the, the next piece, the book of Mark. Same thing, same story, just worded a little differently. Mark puts it this way, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So try to get your head around that. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, says that we can have what we say. Those aren't my words. Those are his words. Pray. We can have what we say. So, last month when TD asked me uh, to do this, I, I was watching the news, and you may have seen this clip. Uh, but when I saw it, I was just so taken aback. <laughs> it just was so amusing, yet at the same time so poignant. I thought, I got to show that in this, in, this next, in this next time I speak. So, let's see if we can pull that clip up there. Terry, thank you. A little bit of sound. I want to start over. Finally, the three-year-old who is definitely America strong. It's the moment moving so many. The simple walk to school, the three-year-old named Aeon wearing his backpack and remembering the words his mother taught him at just two. What he says to himself over and over again. I am smart. I am blessed. I can do anything. I am smart. I am blessed. I can do anything. I am smart. I am blessed. I can do anything. That's his mother, Alyssa. And she and his father, Alpha, have been telling their little boy for some time that he will grow up to be anything he wants to be. This was one of their first lessons more than a year ago. You say, I am smart. I am blessed. I can do anything. I can. He'll get there. One year later, now three years old, declaring this. I am smart. 
Amen. Right? So uh, so that guy, that young man's in training. Right? Everybody look at your neighbor and say training. You know, uh, it's, it's important, and it may not be the case that, that you've had that kind of training since you were two or since birth or since you were three, as he is here in the video, or since you were 30 or since you were 60. But the point is that you can be in training. It's not too late. Right? So we need to train ourselves. Uh, so my message today is this. We'll jump to the next slide is that you have what you say. You have what you say. So look at your neighbor again. I'm a little interactive, kind of like what Sarah mentioned. You know, I teach kids a lot. I've, I've, I spend a lot of time talking to kids. And uh, so I always have them talk to their neighbor. So would you do that? Just look at your neighbor, point to them, smile if you would, and just say, you know, you have what you say. All right, find another neighbor. Look at another neighbor. Find one on the other side and say, you have what you say. Amen. Nothing wrong with interaction. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray and we'll get started. We'll go jump in the book of, uh, of uh, 1 Samuel. Father in heaven, we, we do just come before you and we continue to just thank you for the day that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord God, that you, are, are, that you have a word for us. And God, that that word is your son and that word can be in our heart. We could live that word and it can come out of our mouth. And so we thank you for how you're going to give us a, a, a little bit of a lesson on and what that might look like. And, and God, keep it practical for us, we ask, and keep it simple. And uh, we just thank you for the, for the story of, of how Jesus spoke to the, to the tree. And, and then we're going to follow that up with uh, the, the story of David and Goliath and, and all that went on behind the scenes there. There's so much. But we uh, ask today that our ears would be open and that our spirits would be open to hear what you, what you would speak to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so with those uh, couple of New Testament passages in mind, we, we're going to go on to one of my favorite stories. And uh, just real quick, if you've heard the story of David and Goliath, would you raise your hand? Even if it was just a part of it, you kind of know a little bit. I'm, I'll be surprised if there's not some that have heard some, if not the whole thing. And uh, we're going to cover that. Um, and and as, you're, as we're reading through the story, and I have some pictures that we're going to kind of help with our, with our, our storytelling. Because uh, again, kids like pictures, and I'm a big kid too, so I like story. I like pictures as I'm reading a story. Um, just keep in mind that that Jesus said that you have what you say. I want that to resonate in your spirit, man. On the inside of you, let it let us let it say. Jesus said, "I can have what I say." Okay, so let's move on to the first slide. So, the Philistines, verse one. This is first First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse one. And so um, we're going to jump to this slide, and then, uh, Charity, we'll just go through the pictures. And if we need to come back, we'll, we'll do that to the rest of the text. There's a lot of text. Now, the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Ezekah in Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. That's one side. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on another, and there was a valley between them. We could jump to the next slide. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So six cubits 
and a span, roughly, roughly, right? So I'm an engineer by trade, and precision is what I'm supposed to be paid to do. I never studied cubits. I never studied a span, so I had to go back and look that up. So a cubit is roughly, roughly again, the edge from your elbow. I've heard it said the king's elbow to the tip of his finger. We use 18 inches, so it's like a foot and a half. So six cubits, for all you math wizards in the room, is about nine feet. Span. So span is also the width from finger to tip. I've heard it said of the king's hand, roughly, again, nine inches. So Goliath was a, was a pretty big boy. Six cubits in a span is about nine nine, right? We don't see any, anybody in the NBA getting close to nine foot nine. Any jump they would do, they hit their head on that rim because it's a ten foot rim. So six cubits in a span, get that in your head. And that's important because we're going to talk about that. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which is about, again, I didn't study shekels of bronze in weight. I studied pounds, 125 pounds, just the, the, the gold, the metal, the bronze that was on, not gold, the bronze that, was, that he walked around in was about 125 pounds. And he had a bronze, uh, he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Okay, what's a weaver's beam? Roughly about two, two and a half inch in diameter and about seven foot long. Right, part of a, an old loom back in that day. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. Just the tip of his spear was uh, iron, 15 pounds. And a shield bearer went before him. No doubt in the picture you can see the shield bearer his job is just to hold the shield, right? He's got to make sure that shield gets in front of that big man and covers, well, it looks like about from his waist up. <laughs> but anyway, the shield is big enough to where it takes one man just to carry that. So here goes the story. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, this is Goliath, and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and you'll serve us. So that's a, that's a one-way deal, it looks like, right, in the natural. Verse 10, the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all the Israel and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Nine foot nine, I defy, give me a man so we can fight. Winner take all. And your army. And your family will become servants. Next slide. Introducing. This is the first time we hear about David. Now, David was that son of Ephrathite, of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse. He was the son of Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to that battle. The names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was not the fourth son, not the fifth, sixth, seventh. He was number eight of eight. David was the youngest. 
and the three oldest followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep back to Bethlehem. So David was a shepherd. In case you ever heard, how, how do we know David was a shepherd right here? He took care of his father's sheep back in Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. This went on where Goliath would come and say, I defy the armies of Israel. I defy your God. Give me a man so we could fight 40 days. This happened. Morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of the thousand and see how your brothers fare. Check on your, check on your brothers. Take them a little bit of this food that we got for them and bring them back word is what really what he's saying, asking him to do. Verse 19, now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose up early, left the sheep with a keeper, took the, took the things and went as Jesse commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array or battle formation, army against army. David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran up to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. What's up, guys? Here I am. I'm the youngest. What's going on over here? How are you guys doing? Here's some bread. Here's some cheese, right? And uh, lost my spot here. Shouting for the battle. David. Uh, then as he talked with them, there was the champion. So this is David's first exposure to Goliath, the champion. There was the champion. The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the he spoke according to the same words. We know what those words were. Nothing good. So David heard him. All right? And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So you get the picture. So the men the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him. The king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes. That's two pretty good deals right there, isn't it? You get the king's daughter, no more taxes. All the taxpayers in the room said amen. All right, so I know, bear with me, it's, it's long. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, well, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? So tell me that again. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, David just didn't get it. He's like, I just don't understand how this guy has this much nerve, the things he's saying against the army of God and against God himself. The people answered, in, answered him in this manner saying, so it shall be done for the man. So they told him, now, here we go. Big brother. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? Doesn't that sound like a big brother? What are you doing here, little brother? Let's see what else he says. And who, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You're not even a big shepherd. You've got a few sheep. You've left them with somebody. How irresponsible of you to be here talking to us. This is big boy time. And you're not that, basically, right? 
I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You just couldn't wait, could you, David? Had to come up here, see what's going on, get an eyeful for yourself. Just couldn't be patient. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? You know, in my word, I think he's, he's like, what, what's the problem? You know, why are you tripping? Right? <laughs> right? Why, what's, what's the problem? What's the problem, Eliab? And so he's like, uh, he says, then he turned from him toward another, said the same thing, and the people answered him as the first ones did. So he's not getting any, any help. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to the king, King Saul. So the word of David being there asking, asking questions got word to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, listen to this, let no man's heart fail because of him. He's talking about Goliath. Don't anybody need to worry about him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Next slide. Yeah, you got it there. Thank you. So Saul then said to David, you are not able to go fight with him. For you are a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. That big nine foot nine guy has been training for battle. He has a high skill set in the weapons of war, and he is a destroyer, and he's ready for any man, let alone a youth like you. Right? But David wouldn't listen to that. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep, I, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a, a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. I didn't just let him come and take what they wanted and run off. I went after him. I would struck it. I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard, and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. He wasn't done. Moreover, David said, the Lord who de delivered me from the paw of the lion. And from the paw of the bear. He. will deliver me. From the hand of this Philistine. 
So, after Saul heard that, guess what he said? Well, then go. And the Lord be with you. Right? Now, before he let him go, look what he did. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. Go back to the other slide. Yeah, there you go. Put a, a, and, he fast, and David fastened the sword and to his armor, tried to walk, and he had not tested him. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. We can go back to the Goliath side. So the Philistine came, Goliath, and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went, went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Are you surprised? For he was only a youth. The Bible says ruddy, which kind of mean, I think means reddish hair and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, right? Come to me. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Again, David wasn't having it. Because he said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with that javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'm going to strike you on the head. I'm going to take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of not just you, big Goliath, but the entire camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. And the wild beasts of the earth, that all earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle, the whole thing, is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So it was. Next slide. When the Philistine arose and came and drew to me, near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Hurried and ran. Hurried and ran. Didn't stumble. Didn't back up first. Didn't sidestep. Hurried. And he ran. Right? Amen? Hurried and ran. To meet the army. Toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone, get this, sank into his head. And he fell face first on his face to the earth. So David, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and he killed him. But there was no sword in his hand. Therefore, next slide, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of, his, of its sheath, because he didn't have a sword. So he's taking Goliath's sword, right? And he killed him 
and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, guess what? See ya. I'm out of here. Big man's dead. I can back the big man. He does all the talking. All we do is stand back here and watch him. No one challenges him. He's gone. I'm gone, right? So the Philistines are out of there. They start running. They fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, right? Here's their perspective. The big man's dead. We're all scared of the big man. We sent little man to fight big man. Big man's down. Gates are open, right? So now they're excited, shouting, right? That'd make you shout. The scene of that would make you shout. And they pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance to the, of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it back to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. Amen. You guys have just endured 54 verses of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Give yourselves a hand. All right, so we're, we're going to start closing. Trust me. All right, so the first point, David was in training, right? So David was in training, even when he was just a humble shepherd. Not only was he just a humble shepherd, I say just, right? He was just a humble shepherd. We might look down on that, but you know that humble shepherd was in training. So you may feel like, hey, I'm just a humble shepherd. Well, you know what? You're in training, right? You're in training. And not only that, he was the youngest. Is there any youngest in the room? <laughs> so you know what it's like. You're forced to be humble, right? Youngest. And if you're if you're one of the older ones, you know how you what you how you treat that youngest, right? Exactly how Eliab did. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but humble servant, the youngest, the least of the least. Second, he was in training because he had battled large animals, right? Things had come up against him before. And he had prevailed. Why? Not because he was strong, because he knew who he was. Kind of that identity message we talked about, right? He knew who he was. He knew who, who God was. And he didn't look at the situation or the circumstance. He looked at it through the eyes of faith. And he believed what God said. You know what? Look at this, look, look at this last one. He knew, David did, that he and God constituted a majority. You know what? We need to know that me and God are a majority. You need to know that you and God are a majority, right? Because you are. And it's not because of you. It's not because of me, right? It's because of God. God's the majority. The beauty of it is if we believe him, we get to partner with him. We get to ride on those coattails of being the majority. In the majority. I like being in the majority when it's God's majority. Second slide. So here we go. Just like Jesus did when he spoke to that fig tree, David had a voice. So he had a voice, and he used it. When he talked to Eliab, right, his older brother, he's like, what, what, what's the problem? Right, he spoke, to, he spoke to Eliab. What's the problem? Why? There's, no, there's no deal here. It's not that hard, Eliab. You're just a big brother. Give me a hard time. It's not that hard. To Saul, 
right? What did he say to Saul? He said, I'll go do it. Pick me. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the tallest. I'm not my oldest. But I fought. I've been in training. I'm your guy. I can do it. Not because of me, because of God is the Lord of hosts. He's the God of the angel armies. He's the most high. He's the all-sufficient one. I know who I am because I know how he made me. I can do it because I'm a majority with him. You know, <laughs> let me back up to that Iliab thing. Just because family, right? So family's coming. We've got holidays coming. Iliab's coming. <laughs> right? If you got an Iliab in your, fa- in your family, your extended family, Iliab's coming. And you're going to see him, David. So how are you going to be? There's a way to be, right? So family doesn't always give us the encouragement that we need. Neither do sometimes our close friends. So one point to think about as we're thinking is, are we hanging around the right people? Are they feeding us the right things? You know, because if I'm over here, and even if it's family, and um, I'm not getting fed the right thing into my spirit, Maybe I need to move over here where it is happening. I am around the friends that are speaking in life into me. I am around the family that is saying, you can do it. Scott, you can get up there. You can speak. You can do whatever is needed. We need to make sure we're listening to the right things. Saul, when he talked to Saul, he, Saul didn't really know he, was, he had been in training. And then the other piece of what Saul did, he, well, he had to speak to him. We'll talk to about other piece in a minute. But to Saul... We need to know how to fight. And Saul didn't understand that yet. David knew he knew how to fight. He had to tell everybody that he knew how to fight. So we need to know how to fight. And then to Goliath. He had a voice to Goliath, right? And with with that whole thing, he really just had to flip it on him because Goliath had a lot of things to say. He did it for 40 days. That's a lot of trash, right? That's a lot of trash talking. So he had to flip it on him and say, nope, that's not how it's going to go. It's going to go like this. I'm going to do this because he's on my side, and you're clearly not. You can't be on that side and win. There's no winning over there. You're on the wrong side. So it can't happen like that. So here's how it's going to go. So he had to kind of just flip it on him. And what's, what's interesting is out of Goliath's own mouth is how it happened to him. What does that remind you of? Pharaoh? Moses? Do you remember? The last plague? Pharaoh spoke it. And Moses said, that's how it's going to happen. But it's not happening to us. It's happening to you. He spoke it on himself. Next slide. The enemy has a voice. You know, we don't like talking about the enemy that much, right? We like to ignore the enemy, but there's an enemy. And you have him. He's against you. He shows up in many forms. He'll use your family. He'll use people in charge. And he'll make the problem so big, look so big, that he'll think you can't win. Right? So, Satan is his name. He's not interested in you winning. 
He's not interested in you doing anything right. He is not interested in you having any success. He is not interested in you believing God for anything. He's certainly not interested in you having any faith. That's why they call him the Antichrist. He's in the other camp. There's two camps. Right? There's two camps. It's not three. It's not four camps. It's not five camps. It's not ten camps. There's two. And David, we need to be on David's side with, with God's camp, right? Because the other side can't win. That side's already, the, side, the other side's already going down. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying people. I'm saying there's another camp. And that camp is not interested in you having any success. Why would we want to be in that camp? People are in them. People are in that camp. They may not know. We need to shed the light and let them know that, hey, this, there's another camp. There's another way. So we know we're in a battle. And a battle could happen from any of those three, like I said already. What did Eliab say? What are you doing here? Right? You ever had anybody just ask you, what in the world are you doing here? You don't have what it takes. You can't do this. Not good enough. Smart enough. Pretty enough. You don't have the stuff. What What are you doing here? Right? That's just like David. We need to know that. What's Saul say? Here's another one. He's the king. He said, you, you, you can't. What I see and what needs to have happened, Goliath is six foot nine, and you're five foot whatever. I don't even know what that doesn't say, but I'm just making it up. You're small. You're too small. You physically can't get the job done. You don't have the tools for the job. You're not equipped. But you know what? If you're dumb enough to go out there and give it a shot, I'll, you can at least borrow my tools. I got some tools that you can use. So I'm encouraging you to not look at the not look at the size of the problem or to look at the size of the problem. Don't look at God. Try it in my strength. I'm the king, use my stuff. Right? So David look, I can't I can't work with this. This isn't the way God planned for me to use your armor to do this job. So sometimes we get to where we're trying to do things in someone else's strength and not the strength what God says, has for us, right? He has a strength for you. And there's no need to go outside of that strength. He's called you to be where you're at. You're the only one. You may be the only one. But he's called you to be there. Better be getting those stones. Don't forget your sling. Because you're going to need it, right? He just tried to, he tried to cancel David's faith by making him look at the circumstance. You know, we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. Saul was like, let's walk by sight. 
Forget about the faith. It's a little bit backwards. And then to Goliath, right? He used Goliath, of course. And I want to share something. Um, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. There's fruit there. There's fruit there. Proverbs 6, 2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Trapped. Snared. Snared isn't always a bad thing. Depends on what you're dropping. Right? Are you dropping good things? I like to be snared by the good things. Everybody does. What about the bad things that slip out? Right? Or what you hear. So it's not just guarding what you say, although it is. It's, it's also guarding your mind. Because the enemy has done this a long time. He's been at this a long time. He knows how, he knows exactly what's button to push. He knows if there's a chink here or a chink there, and he could shoot those little darts. So we need to guard our mind because that's one of the ways that he strikes first. To plant that little seed of you can't. To plant that little bitty taste of you're unable, you're not good enough. And even though God said it, he didn't mean it, not for you. That's for somebody else. That's for pastor people. That's not for you. He used Goliath. And make that problem seem so big and so massive that you look at it and you're going, no way. That wasn't how David did it. Right? That wasn't how he did it. He didn't look at it like that. What he looked at was, why are we allowing this to go on? Who's in charge here? Right? I can do that job because God, me and God are a majority. We could do that job. That's what, what are you guys doing back here? He could have flipped it on his brother a little bit. Say, well, how come we haven't taken care of that yet? It's been going on for 40 days. And you need a little shepherd boy to come over here and bring my little pebbles? This thing should have been, this job should have been done. But you know what? If you're the David in that story, thank God you're the David. Thank God you're the one that got sent to do it. So you get those pebbles from the most high, and you sling them with all your might. Next slide. So God did what David said. God is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. So David did, did, he used his faith, right? That's the tools David used. Yeah, yeah, he had a sling and a stone. But the weapon was supernatural. He used his faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you got faith. Find another neighbor. You got faith too. Yeah? So there's faith in the room. Amen? He didn't operate in fear because he knew his identity. And he called things that be not as though they were. Don't be afraid of that. Use your words to call things 
that haven't happened yet. If God puts something on the inside of you and it hasn't happened, you say, that's way too crazy. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't slip it. Because if God says it, and he spoke it to you, and he gives you everything you need, he's given you the equipment. It may not look like the king's equipment, but he's given it to you. So you need to call things that be not as though they were. That is, um, that's after the pattern of God. God did that. That's in Romans 14, 4 and 17. Even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now, look at this piece. In using faith, right? He could have complained. Yeah? He could have come up there and said, man, that brother's too big, and I don't blame you. I'm stepping on back over here, right? Let me get back over here because that's a big problem out there. There's no way. I'm looking around, and I don't see any of y'all jokers over here that can do anything with that. Right? But he didn't do that. He didn't complain. He didn't say we can't. Because he knew he knew they couldn't. The, that part of the we, they couldn't. But this part of the we could. Because him and God were a majority. He had what he said. He used his words to change the situation. Creative power. The words we speak. Used his words to change it. It's not going to go like that. I'll do it because I got God. We're a majority. And, and he told the Goliath, it ain't going to happen like that because I got, the, I got the winner on my side already. David had what he said. He spoke it. God did it. And not just that battle happened and was done. The whole army won. Do you want your whole army to win? Do you want your whole army to win? We do. We all do, right? So who's, who's in your army? Your church, yes. Family, yeah. Friends, yeah. Don't be scared to go be that first David. Your whole army's going to win as soon as you're done. You win, they win. Amen? The whole army won, and not only did they win, they scored the big plunder, right? They took all their stuff. They got all their stuff. There's a blessing that came with the victory in that battle. The, the, in that battle, in that victory, was also plunder. So they were enriched for it. I heard another uh, sermon one time that it talked about the Hebrew name of God that said Yahweh Sabaoth. I can't hardly even spell it. But what that means is the God of the, of the army, the God of the Lord of hosts. And so if you don't know the Lord, that way, like David is exampling, now you now you should. You can. He's not just a God that loves you. Yes, he is that. But, you know, as we have battles, he's also Yahweh Sabaoth. He's the God of the battle. He's on your side, right? He is on your side. He's on your side. The Lord of hosts. And then the last piece here is he got what the king promised. So two things, right? He got the girl, and he got to keep his money. <laughs> he did not have to pay taxes. So it's not just the immediate blessing, you know, God prospers you in life. Yeah? 
How many, how many of us want to be prospered in life? Anybody? I do. There's a promise for you. There's a promise that what he gave to David, he can promise for you. Are there things you need? Yes, we all have needs in life, right? David just got that principle. Back to that. Back to that slide again, the next one. I think it's the next one. He just understood that. It's funny for me to, to how God is because this is in the New Testament. Of course, David's in the Old Testament, but the principle is the same. God's funny that way. You'll, you know that already maybe. Because he already understood that he could have what he said if he, didn't, if he believed and didn't doubt. He had what he said. All right, last slide. Last two slides, sorry. Just some final thoughts as you're thinking through the story. You have what you say. You have what you say. So what are you saying? Right? What are you saying? Listen to yourself. Take a minute. Through the week, through the day, each day. And listen to what you hear that you say. What's coming out? Good things? Not so good? Not just about yourself. Okay, spouse, come on. Start meddling. About your family? We say things about our family. I mean, I know this because I do that, right? I know this happens. What are we saying about them? About our spouse? What are we saying there? Good things. Let me just tell you as a man and as a husband, we're pretty much just big babies. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like we're not. You get the big, strong, silent types, but you know what? We're big babies. And you know who can build us up? Mama. Mm -hmm. My wife does a great job of building me up. And you can do the same for yours. And it's not just it's not just that way. Don't don't mishear me. It's not just wives build up your husbands. We're not saying that. Husbands build up your wives. Right? Say the right thing. We're we're on the we're on the hook too. So it's not like they have the all the responsibility to build us up and make us go out and be the strong men and go out and fight all the battles and bring home whatever. We have to speak into their lives. You're doing a great job. Managing the house, watching, helping, helping, watch, leading in many cases, only in many, some cases, um, raising the children. Which is the next point, children. What are we saying to our children? What are we saying about our children? What's coming out? You can do it. I love you. I'm so proud God put you in this house. Or you can't do anything right. Why? What's the matter with you? What are you doing wrong? I wish you to never. 
right? We're better than that. You know, the people of God are better than that. So you're better than that. Let's speak life. Let's speak good things to our children. Yeah? Yeah. Amen. So the next piece here, I want you to know you're filling up. You're filling up. You have a tank. Maybe you can't see it. Sometimes you people can see it. <laughs> Not that tank. But you're filling up. What are you filling up with? And there's a point, but what are you filling up with? What are you putting in? Right? What are you watching? What are you hearing? What are you listening to? What conversations are you a part of? What are you filling your tank with? What are you putting into your spirit? Right? It's important because Luke 6.45 says this. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Or out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of what you're putting in comes out of your mouth. I'm here to tell you you can tell a lot about a person by what they're saying. That's not trying to be judgy. Don't mishear that, please. What I'm saying is you can tell where people are at. You can tell what their battles are. You can tell what they need because it's going to come out, right? I mean, if you've got big problems, you're going to talk about that probably, right? It's going to come out. So we need to be careful what we're putting in. Be careful with what you're putting in. Think about what's what's coming in. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. Next point. Are we in training? Are we in training? We need to be in training. We need to get ourselves in training. We need to stir up the gift that God's given, that is in you, it's your job to stir it up. Right? It's not my job to stir you up. It's not pastor's job even to stir you up. Yes, we like to come and get blessed by the pastor. Oh, it's so nice. It's your job. Stir up the gift that's within you. Yeah? Stir it up. You can do it. You're well able to do it. So stir it up. Yeah? It doesn't get done for us, and we need to have a good confession. Everybody say good confession. There's a good confession out there, right? If we're going to have what we say, we need to put a good confession out there. Lord knows we've had, there's enough negative confession everywhere. You don't have to go far. It's at the end of your arm in your hand. You don't have to go very far to have a negative confession, to find it. It's going to find you. So you need to have a good confession, right? I need to have a good confession. If we don't, if we haven't, and if it's never been a thing for us, we need to start. It's not too late to start getting in training. 
right? Just like the young man, three years old. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That guy's a train. We can start training. The enemy gives us plenty of negative thoughts, but we don't have to accept it. You don't have to let it in. Yeah, you may hear some stuff. A lot of it's just that. It's just stuff. But don't let it in. Don't let it in. Block it. You can block it. We need to reject that mess and listen to and come into agreement with what God says. You want your identity changed? You need to understand what he says about you. You need to know what he says about you. We need to know. We need to know who we are in him. We need to know what we have in him. And like David, we need to know what we can do in him. Action. Those are all actions. It's good to have faith. It's better to have faith with action. Amen? You know, God's our true identity, and we can fill our heart with good treasure. So let's just practice real quick. Just bear with me. Almost done. Let's just practice. Squeeze your eyes tight. Hold up a hand and say, I'm smart. I'm blessed. Say, I can do anything. <laughs> All right, we just entered the training. We just entered the training camp right there. All right, now seriously, let's, let's focus on God. Here we go. You ready? Let's focus on God. Serious. We're going to get our confession right. I'm healthy. I'm forgiven. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I say no to sin and yes to God. I have value. I have the mind of Christ. God gives me his favor. And I am loved by the creator of the universe. Amen. So here's the key. Here's the key. Last point. We need Jesus in our heart. That's what we need. We need Jesus to save us. We need Jesus on the inside. Because what happens when that hap- when that we ask Jesus to come in is you get regenerated on the inside. The mind doesn't get regenerated right off the bat. But when Jesus comes in, your spirit man is renewed. Right? That's why the mind for the Christian, the mind is the battlefield. We have to renew our mind by washing it with the word of God, the Bible says. That's how you renew your mind. And that, that battle doesn't stop. But the battle of the inside is done when we say yes to Jesus. So here's how. Well, let me back up. So salvation, right? Asking Jesus to come in. Salvation. The Bible even calls it being born again. You wonder where that come from? It's in John chapter 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes at night, Nick at night, right? Comes at night and says, hey, what's going on here? How do I do this? And Jesus says this, most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't do it. Can't happen. That's for the house. That's for the faith people. That place. But the good news is we can do it. We can get there, right? It sounds like, oh, 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 that's bad. No, no, no. You take that step, right? One step. So here's how. Salvation is in two places. Hmm? What? Where's it going with this? Let me read it. Salvation is in two places. It's here. It's here. It's here. And it's here. It's not in our imagination. Come on now. You've been heard, you've been told that. Nah, it's just your imagination. It's not God didn't really do anything. It's just your imagination. Nope, it's not there. It's not what the Bible says. It's a faith move. And you can have what you say. You can have what you say. Romans 10 says, 10 and 10 says, for with the heart, point to your heart. Point to your heart. Come on now. With the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how. That's it. That's the deal. Two places. In our heart, and it's in our mouth. So if you wonder why we pray at the end sometimes and have that prayer of faith or the sinner's prayer, whatever you've heard it called, that's why, because it's two places. Two places. So let's let's have a moment. If we can, if we can, we can have the the band, the worship team, come back up. We just want to cover these two places real quick before we go, don't we? Amen. Before we go, let's just cover this. God, thank you. So as they're coming up, we'll just let's just bow our heads. Have a moment, please. Thank you. You know, if you've if you've never uh, taken the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your heart, there's good news for you today, because today's your day. Today is your day. Um, you can have what you say. You can have what you say. If you believe. Have faith, don't doubt. You can have what you say. So let's uh, let's just everyone, if you would just kind of do it together. Let's just do it together because we're a family, right? Let's just do it. Come on, family. If you just hold up one hand up towards heaven. Keep your eyes, you know, bowed and or head bowed and eyes closed. And let's, would you just repeat after me? I'll let God just kind of search your heart. Repeat after me, everyone in the house. Say, oh, God. Come on, everybody say, oh, God. I know without Jesus that I'm lost but I don't want to be lost I want to be saved I want to be born again so right now I confess that I've fallen short and I invite Jesus your son to come in and make me new old things are now passed away all things have become new. Thank you for saving me, Jesus, and putting me into your family and into your kingdom. In 
Jesus' name.